It's a 60 Go podcast presented by Mint Sports. Joining me is Damien Seabolt. Seabs, it seemed like over the weekend it, we've come to the long-awaited conclusion that the two best teams are in the grand final. Yeah, definitely, mate. The, the two teams that deserve to be there have made it through. And, you know, I think we all wanted a better contest in, in both of them. And, and the Saturday night was a, a fairly decent game or a decent contest for, for a long period of time. But in the end, um, you know, and I know we'll touch on both games, but in that Brisbane game, um, they were just too good for me in the end. I know there was a, the, the Reese Walsh part that we'll probably talk about a little bit later, and and that de- definitely broke the Warriors back. Like I'm, you know, it it's from finish to that's it. It's all over. They were gone and then got put away. So yeah, the, the best two teams are there, and see what happens this week. One thing that sticks out to me about both winning teams and also both losing teams is the fact that. You look at Panthers and the Broncos, they've got a one-two-three punch, all, both of them, that are just phenomenal in the forwards. And Melbourne and the Warriors just don't have that. For as, you know, And I'm not saying that they're bad forward packs, but certainly not comparable to Panthers and Broncos. And that's really where it was won. You know, your Panthers, you've got Fisher-Harris, Leota and uh, Lenu. And then Melbourne just couldn't bend the line back at all. And then in the other game, you've got Haas, Carrigan and Flegler. And same with the Warriors. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. I mean, you know, Fenua Blake was the only forward that looked like doing or make, making significant meters or a significant impact on on Saturday night. And and to be honest, not one Melbourne forward looked like they were going to hit the Penrith line. So, you know, Nelson got carried away trying to instead of just doing what he does best and that's running hard, getting aggressive in people's face. He would try to become that that niggling player, and it just it didn't suit him. He was he was pretty ordinary actually on on Friday night. And, um, they, they needed him to be at their best just to, to be a chance. Uh, did you notice on Friday how obvious it was that uh, Fisher-Harris in particular, he, he found a gear that he probably... Like, he's been great all year, but he found a gear that hasn't been there for, for the majority of the year. The way, how hard he was running, there he was isolating defenders and very, very good defenders. He was standing them back five, six metres just with his impact taking, taking a hitter. There's absolutely no question. And I, I think that's the same with the whole Penrith team. And we spoke about this, the fact that they were bored for the whole regular season. Well, it's certainly coming to fruition because, and I know the Warriors didn't have Sean Johnson, but it doesn't take Sean Johnson to make tackles. And they put, what did they put, 40 on them that day? And they they smashed the storm. Like, it wasn't it wasn't even competitive. And we spoke about this <laughs> last week. Craig Bellamy would have known that they didn't have enough to win that game. Sorry, mate. Here you go. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying that Craig Bellamy would have known that they didn't have enough talent to win that game. And it just came to fruition. And Penrith found a gear. And I I don't think that they're done. I think that they can play better than what they did on Friday night. Agreed. That, that, and that's when I rudely interrupted you before. That's where <laughs> I was heading. I just think that they've got another gear in them. And, you know, I, I know Brisbane rested players and, and didn't go with their normal rotation late. And they left um, left a couple of blokes off. But Penrith put the queue in the rack with 25 minutes to go in a prelim. Like it was proper queue in the rack stuff. It's yeah, it was it was crazy. And also, just touching on Melbourne, they've got a lot of soul searching to do over the off season if they're going to be in premiership conversations next year because they've got serious problems in both front rowers and outside backs, and they need to go and have a deep think about what they're trying to do there because to me, it's just not working. Well, for, for mine, they're very similar to South Sydney. Um, they've got some really quality key players, but they don't have enough 
uh, go forward in the middle. And, yeah, they're an outside back short of... Yeah, probably both sides are a class centre. And I know South are getting whitened, but I think they're more... Oh, they're struggling more in the forward pack. And, and I think Melbourne are too. Melbourne are at least one quality forward with a bit of punch short, and they're definitely a quality centre short because, you know, it, Bellamy would have gone around in circles knowing who to spray first on the weekend, Olam or Seve, because they were both poor. Yeah, no question. No question about it. And just on, just on Penrith, there's been a lot of talk about Tungo, whether he's healthy or not, because he uh, come back from injury, obviously, and missed the tackle on Olam. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if if, if people are nitpicking that badly, that they miss one tackle, like this is a team that conceded 11 points a game in the regular season, and they were bored. Yeah. And they've rocked up to the finals and just absolutely demolished two top four sides. Now, I know that the Broncos are a class above these teams, so I get that, but... I would be really surprised if Penrith weren't to win this game on the weekend. We'll do a grand final preview later in the week, but Penrith, to me, are just the perfect mould for the state of rugby league at the moment. Yeah, they are, mate. They're back five. You know, they eat up metres. They've got that aggression through the middle. They get on the front foot. They've got a decent hooker. Um, and their halves are elite, in particular their halfback, who is, in my opinion, the best player in the comp. So, you know, it, Brisbane, and we will go over it, but Brisbane are going to have to, A, start unbelievably fast and, and jump 10, 12 points clear, and, and B, um, they're going to have to be perfect because that, that's how good Penrith are at the moment. I don't know if Penrith are going to be as good next year. They're missing, they're losing a couple of players again, and you know, Stephen Crichton is going to be an enormous out for them. I think it's, he's going to be a bigger out than any of the other players that they've lost over the last couple of years, including Coruscant. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the, I'm sure we've probably said that the last two years in a row as well, and here we are, Penrith are on the GF again. Yeah, well, they get Tail and May back at the start of next year, and he's no mug, so he can easily fill a spot in the outside backs. So I, I just want to touch on Penrith. We spoke about this with Andrew a couple of weeks ago from the Rugby League Eye Test. The longer the game went in general play where there was no stoppages, the more the game just moved into Melbourne's territory, and you would have noticed this yourself. So... Uh, Melbourne started would start a set at their 30, then the next set they'd be starting at their 20, then the next set at their 10, and then just constantly inside their 10, inside their 10, inside their 10, until Penrith was just score, and then it would start all over again. Penrith would just, like, choke the storm into their own territory, and then they'd score, and then they'd start again and choke them again. It's it's just unbelievable to watch. And when you're looking for it, it's really, it's really obvious, isn't it? It's like, as you said, each set starts two or three metres closer to the opposition try line. You know, each set five metres closer. Might start on the 10, then the next one's the 15, then the 20. Then all of a sudden, before you know it, late in each half, they're almost starting each set on uh, on about halfway. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll touch on the Broncos game as well. Look, I, I don't really care about the forward pass. To me, the game was gone anyway. But the thing that concerned me from a Broncos perspective, God, I thought the defence was really loose in the first half. And that, to me, is not a sign that Penrith has uh, brought with them into the finals. They've been really, really solid inside their 20 defensively and, uh, well, everywhere defensively for that matter. But it's it's going to be a case for the Broncos of discipline in the final because you can't start like that. I think there were seven or eight tries in the first half. Now, uh, and and sorry, there were seven tries and Broncos were four tries to three up at halftime. I know it was a 12-point game, but that's just because the Warriors couldn't kick. Well, it's 
it wasn't for goal kicking, it would have been 24-18. That's and, right. And, and Warriors shouldn't have been that, you know, shouldn't have been that close. And, and I, I disagree a little bit, mate. The Ford Park didn't lose or win anyone the game, but it certainly took away any chance the Warriors had. Because at that point in time, 24-12, you're not out of it. You know, you, you find a way to score next. You, you're within six to eight points of of a team in a prelim, anything can happen. It goes from 12 points to 18 points, then you're gone. So uh, I'm not at all saying that that was the reason they lost the game, but it took away any chance for them to get back in it. Just looking from a Warriors point of view going into next year, what do you think would be the main concerns for them? They get Roger back, who will play the centres, from what I've been told. Uh they're probably another front rower short as well, aren't they? And this just, before you go off on that, the, there it feels like we've come full circle now from the six to go era because when the six to go rule came in, the game just uh, changed lightning speed and, and a lot of teams were caught in that with their roster constructions and they paid a lot of guys in the front row in particular who just weren't up to that speed of the game and uh, the Broncos uh, were an example of that at the time. And... A lot of teams still haven't caught up, like uh, Andrew said a couple of weeks ago. So I feel like we've come full circle now where the elite medals in the game are worth their absolute weight in gold. So there's probably about 10 of them in the competition. But, geez, if if you've got two or three of them like these two teams have, no wonder they're at the top of the ladder. Yeah, it makes a big difference, mate. And and Gavin just said it the other day when when we were talking to him that... You know, it, it's taken a number of teams still to this day to, to finally get over it and, and start to restructure their roster because everyone was so top-heavy with big middles, you know, big, strong middles that would just roll down the field. And I think the balance is right now between the um, a penalty or a six to go. Look, they've, they've definitely got it right. The, the product is unbelievable to watch. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But as you said, mate, these two teams, they have a couple of the best middles. So... Payne Haas and Carrigan, unbelievable, like, unreal, mate. They're so good. And um, and when you look at the Panthers, it's it's Fisher Harrison and Moses Leota, you know, and, and as I, to be honest, he's got to be thrown in that conversation as well um, because he can pick and choose. He can be a meter eater or he can be a ball player. That's what that's what really gives him the edge. And not only that, Tom Flegler for the Broncos and Spencer Lenu for the Panthers, they're their third string guys. They could go to other clubs and be their play one front rowers. Yeah, but yeah, that's exactly right. And and then when we deep dive later in the week and look at you know the, the game and who we think will win and why we think they'll win. Um, spoke about Flegler and Spencer Lenu. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, they they could be first string props at other teams. Flegler's a second string prop at the Broncos. Lenu's on the bench. He can't even run on at the Panthers. So that you know. That's showing how good their depth is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It also makes you question the Roosters' expectations next year because they've got a couple of signings coming to their club. I'll tell you what, if they don't make a grand final, they'll be in all sorts of hurt. Just on the Warriors... Just, top four. They're not top four, but anyway. <laughs> just on the Warriors heading to uh, next year, um, Roger comes to the centres, so that can only be a good thing, I would think. Um, yeah. But they're probably in the front row him. away. I don't see him lasting too long in the centres. I... I I think he'll be back at pullback by Easter. There you go. That's my tip. You reckon Chance will end up in the centres? I don't think Chance is going to play his way out of fullback, though. 
No, but at the end of the day, when, when you've got a, a couple of months worth of footy back into Roger um, and you had the choice between Charles and Roger as your fullback, I know where I'm going. Just my opinion, but that's, yeah, there, there's no way on earth that Charles is a better fullback than Roger once he's got his legs back. Fair enough. I, I think the biggest problem for the Warriors, uh, something that they have to address, is they need to focus on a post Sean Johnson era. And now, Sean Johnson, for as good of a year that he had, I think that they need to be preparing for life after Sean Johnson. Um, yeah, definitely. What do you think of that? I, I agree, mate. They need to look at, you know, Metcalf's only a young bloke. Um, Tamari Martin, well, we like to use the phrase sneaky old because um, he is sneaky old. He, he's, he's been around for a long time. And, you know, he's late late 20s now, so they need to look at what they're going to do next. And... The big concern for them is backing up for the emotional roller coaster that they went on. They had the whole wave of support because it was their first year back. If they start off well and they're four from seven, you know, five from eight territory, they'll be fine. They'll make the eight again. If, if they've got a tough start to the year and, and they're one from four or, or two from five, that type of thing, um, they're in trouble. They really are. There's a real test on their development now as well because. The way that their salary cap is structured and their roster's constructed, I think they've got six halves on the roster heading into next year. So they don't they don't have the space in the roster to go and recruit a big half. So uh, and someone like Chanel Harris Tavita who's coming back yeah. next year as well. So and and that's it's it's going to be interesting what they do because that just eats up eats up salary cap and and a spot in the top thirty. So you know they've got tomorrow Martin there. I don't know. I, I don't get the Vita Harris signing. To be to be fair, I'm not real sure what what the thought process there is. Um, for mine, he's not as good as Metcalf or or Tomorrow Martin. Um, but, but again, you know, we'll have to wait and see what they do with him. Could he potentially they, move to Dummy Hart? Hopefully, they've got a, a good young half there. Could he potentially move to a 14 role? Like he strikes me as someone who could be like a Connor Watson. They they tried that with him. Basically, before the twelve months before he he had his uh, sabbatical, the, he he was being used as a bit of a utility, and you know, with injuries, he'd run on at certain times. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, he, of course he could be. He could be a good fourteen. They could turn him into a backup hooker. They could fill other spots. Um, it, it's interesting because war, a lot of the Warriors squad have had career best years. So Barnett's had a career best year. Egan's had a career best year. Metcalf had a career best year. You know, Pompey and Rocco Berry. Well, I think Rocco Berry's got a big future ahead of him. Pompey, for mine, you know, he's had a career best year. So it's whether they can back it up and go again. I'm not wishing it on them, but there's a strong similarity to the Cowboys season of last year for this year for the Warriors, isn't there? And there's there is potential for them to slip back based on the fact that everyone's had a career year. That's all right. Same as Para. You know, you look at Para this year and um, like, like Sean Lane, um, Dylan Brown had career years the year before and then all of a sudden one's out suspended for a third of the year and the other one's injured for half of the year and um, they just couldn't fill those holes. So it happens to clubs and um, I think the, the start to the season is really going to show us what, what, what could happen because... Yeah, again, if you if they can squeeze three or four wins out of the first five or six games, they're fine. They'll be fine because the crowd will be back, the emotion will be back, it's up the wires. <laughs> if, 
if they lose a few games, you know, if they go none, for, you know, none from two or three or, or one from four, um, they could find themselves in trouble. Again, the draw is going to play a big part. The draw played a big part this year in, in what happened with teams. So um, it will be great to see when that draw comes out. Fair enough. We'll take a quick break and be back to talk about the Dally M's on the 60O podcast. There's not too many on the professional darts world tour looking like they have That's a good point. babysitting on the old LinkedIn bio. <laughs> They're the least trustworthy athletes of all time. Absolutely. Athletes in inverted commas. <laughs> I remember Phil Taylor Power. back when they used to be able to drink and he would drink while he was playing and they were just on the cusp of trying to get rid of booze in the sport. He said, no, nah, you can't get rid of it. I use it for balance so that I can throw the darts. <laughs> they go, well, couldn't you just hold a book? He goes, mate. I can't drink 12 books while I'm playing darts. (laughs) For more nonsensical ramblings loosely based on sport, tune in to Mint Sports maybe daily, every week. Maybe. Back with the 60 Go podcast presented by Mint Sports. Now to talk about our teams of the year with Dally M's coming up. Seeb's fullback of the year. Interesting no Reese Walsh makes the finalists of fullback of the year. but um, We, We know... We know why, and and I've seen a, a lot of um, people carrying on on social media about that. Well, one of the things that frustrates me, Tom, is when people don't understand rules or, or why decisions are made. It's He got suspended for more than two games. He got suspended for three games. You're ineligible straight away. So, it, of course, he would have been up there. He would have been in a photo finish with who I think will win it is, is Caelan Thomas. I'm giving away my first tip, but yep. it, it, everyone knows what the rules are. Pretty lean year for fullbacks when you really think about it, and a lot of a lot of those top flight guys had down years. Like I, I certainly wouldn't class this as one of James Tedesco's best seasons as he has, that he's ever had. Dylan Edwards. Oh, we discovered during the year you're a Teddy hater. <laughs> I'm not a Teddy hater. Teddy had a good year in comparison to normal human beings. Teddy had a good year in comparison to a, an elite Teddy year. It wasn't. It wasn't great, but he was still good. No, he was no, still no. better than the majority of the comp. Come, come on. You would say that this was the worst James Tedesco year of the past seven years? Oh, not of the past seven. From when he's been at the Roosters, I'd say probably yeah. the worst. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking Roosters he Tedesco. Pretty, he was pretty ordinary when he was at the Tigers. Um, however... All relative. It's still in comparison to the rest of the comp. So, it, oh, you know, yeah, Reese Walsh is—he would have been there, and Teddy would have dropped out in my mind. But he's in the, still in the top five best pullbacks in the comp. Whilst whilst Dylan Edwards had a had a good year, I would say that out of the last three years, like whilst Penrith's been going for this hat trick. This has probably been Dylan Edwards' worst year out of those three years. Like I certainly think he was a much better player last year. He was phenomenal last year. Well, I think when Dylan Edwards' the start of the year was unreal, just like the last couple of years. But I reckon from about halfway through the season, he really fell away and, and dipped off. Um, so uh, yeah, like and not that he's again, he hasn't been bad. It's all it's all relative. It's in comparison to what he's normally like. And one thing too, mate, I reckon. Because there might be a few people that listen to us that don't know how this works. It's not a group of old blokes sitting around a room saying, "Okay, well, who do we think the best fullback is?" No. The way that these guys are nominated and the way that this award is given out to, for every position for the Daly M is your three-two-ones. So two people vote on a three-two-one for each game. The top three point-scoring fullbacks are the nominations for the fullback of the year. 
But again, that that's how it works. So, you know, for winger of the year, I think there's six nominations or five nominations. They are the top five on the Dalian tally of of wingers. So that that's just again just put it into perspective so people know how these decisions were made. One person that didn't have a bad year at all uh, started at five eight for the year, and he is our he is both of our fullback of the year, and that's Kalen Ponga. Um, this this was a career year for Kalen Ponga. He he charged the Knights into the finals, and uh, really, I, I hope that this is the the start of the the Kalen Ponga era because to, he could dominate the game for the next five or six years, and like it would be really exciting to see. Oh, for sure, mate. The, the last ten to twelve weeks. He was he was so good, wasn't he? Um, it was what we've all been waiting for for since he debuted. It was no more ten million, you know, ten minutes of brilliance. It was, and you put together week in week out excellent performances, and he he was so he was so good. I'm keen to see how many maximum points he gets, like how many man of the match he gets in those in that streak there, because he was influential in all of them. That's without a doubt. So, Callum Punga, our fullback of the year, moving on to winger of the year. Need two wingers out of Dallin Wateni Zalesniak, Jermaine Azarko, Brian To'o, Dom Young, Selwyn Cobbo, and Ronaldo Mortalo. Where are you going? I've got uh, Dallin Wateni Zalesniak and Dom Young. They're my two wingers of the year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, just we can we can say some um, honourable mentions in here. I, I, I'm not I'm not saying that he was definitely winger of the year, but most improved winger of the year, going from nothing to something really, really valuable, and that's Will Warbrick. I thought he was outstanding. Um, Dom Young, to me, he started in the World Cup last year and has just gone to a whole nother level. He, he got dropped for a week or two early in the season, but coming back from that, he has been absolutely yeah. superb. That's, it's so true, mate. And, but that was because they... Wasn't that because they weren't happy with him because he signed with the Roosters? I don't know how... How much it had to do with form when he got dropped earlier in the year as well. There was there was one bad game where he, he did drop a couple of balls, and I, yeah. th- I think he might have had four knock-ons. It was real early, like round three or four maybe, um, and everyone was going, "Oh, geez, where's the World Cup, Dom Young?" Because he was a superstar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look, the Roosters have got a good one there, and it's it's such a shame that the that he's he's leaving the Knights because I I do hate that when so the Knights have signed another young English guy. Um, uh, who's coming out next year to play back row, and he's got similar traits to Dong Young, that sort of massive athletic frame, really lightning fast, and I just I just hope that they can keep a few of these guys because it's a bit unfair that they <laughs> that you recruit these guys that are obscurities and then they go to the big-name clubs. But, um, yeah, look, Brian Toto had a fantastic year. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, and uh, the other yeah. guys were very good, but... Dallin Wateni Zalesniak, let's talk about him for a second. He Even in the prelim the other, the other night, I thought he was the best player on the field for the Warriors. Yeah, he, he was. Um, he was uh, In attack, he was. In attack, he was. But he also um, lost his mind in that first 40 minutes and was was the reason for three of their first four tries they conceded. Um, some of his defensive decisions were horrendous. So... Yeah, in attack, he was outstanding. Defensively, I, I did think he was poor. Uh, Jermaine Osako certainly had a career resurging year. Um, there was a stage I thought he was absolutely woeful at one, at one point when he was uh, he was let go at the Broncos. I think he might have done a quick stint at the Gold Coast or Parramatta, one of those two clubs. No, he went to, he went to the Titans the and Titans. played four games. He yeah. played reserve for the Titans. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think it might have been. 
But, uh, yeah, certainly a great year by him. Great year by all of them. Uh, but, yeah, Dom Young and Dallin Wateddy Zalesniak, both of our wingers of the year. Centre of the year. you got two winners for me. Out of Stephen Crichton, Bradman Best, Katoni Staggs, Campbell Graham, Herbie Farnworth and Isaac Tungo. Where are you going? Okay. So, well, Campbell Graham must have polled some points early. Yep, he did. Um, oh, Stephen Crichton is the standout for me. He, he's my first one. And, and the second spot's really tough between Herbie Farnworth and, and Bradman Best. Like, I think Herbie Farnworth is is uh, so underrated, it's not funny. Um, on the weekend, he was he was outstanding, and you know most people would say that he was arguably their man of the match. Oh. It, it's a tough one. Hey, it's a photo finish between Bradman Best and, and Farmworth for me. I'm going to go Farmworth. So Crichton and Farmworth. I couldn't I couldn't agree any more with what you said. I just echo all those statements. Crichton for me is the lock for centre of the year. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I agree with you that Panthers are going to lose him tremendously next year. Like he's he's such a big loss, particularly defensively. I think a lot of people are cottoning onto that now that defensively he is such a key for them. Um, so Crichton is a lock for me, and the other one I am going to go with Bradman Best. Um, I, I love Herbie Farnworth. I think he is tremendous. Um, He's had a fantastic year. He, he, to me, he is the best signing that the Dolphins have done so far in their whole history. So I think he's going to be a superstar next year for them. Uh, but Bradman Best, ever since the Origin selection, um, has just been out of this world good. And it's so good to see that. And these guys are victim of their age a lot of the time as well. They debut at 18 and all of a sudden they're, they're not superstars at 20 and we're like, hey, come on, chop, chop, what, what's doing here? Yeah, but, uh, Victor Bagham, <laughs> he's a kid. Yeah, but uh, Bradman Best, he's got all the traits to be the best centre in the game and uh, he's certainly on his path. I, I'm not sure how you leave him out of the New South Wales team next year. And st- same with Stephen Crotton. They've got some depth there, that's for sure. And I know that if fully fit, you probably go the way of Latrell and Tom, but, geez, it's it's a good couple of reserves there to have in Stephen Crichton and Bradman Best. But I'm glad that we've finally separated one. But, uh, look, Herbie Farnworth, tremendous year. And um, uh, the other one, I'd, Campbell Graham, if he's been playing injured the past sort of 10 weeks, which we suspect that he has, his first 15 weeks was outstanding. And so uh, to him not be in the centre of the year for me shows you how good the centres were this year. And... Uh, but certainly Stephen Crichton and Bradman Best. Just another thing to note on this too, it shows you, and I spoke with Anthony Griffin about this on the podcast about a year or two ago, um, the role that centres are coming back into the game and how important they are now with the with the more free-flowing approach, approach of the game than probably was five years ago with the six-to-go ruling brought in yeah. as well. And so Stephen Crichton and Isaac Tungo, both nominated. They're both from Penrith. And Herbie Farnworth and Katoni Staggs, both nominated from the Broncos as well. So both the grand final teams have all their centres nominated for centre of the year. It just shows you how important that position is. Yeah, it does. It does, mate. I think what you're spot on with the six to go, it probably gives them a few more opportunities one-on-one with a bit more space. So um, when they generate that ruck speed, the six to go comes in a little bit more fatigue and then all of a sudden teams are backpedalling. Um, well, all halves are, are really good now at instead of going with the block-for-block play and really slowing things up, they just zip that ball out there to the centre as quick as possible and give them an opportunity one-on-one. Moving on to 5-8 of the year, three nominations, Ezra Mam, Cameron Munster, Cody Walker. Where are you going? Cameron Munster. I mean, 
Yeah, look, Cameron's been probably playing injured himself for the last six weeks. But without, without Cameron um, this year, Melbourne would have probably missed the eight in, in my mind. And I think he would have definitely polled enough points to, to be the 5-8 of the year. I think he's the best 5-8 out of that group. So it, it, he's, the, he's a pick for me. I've got no doubt that Cameron Munster is the best 5-8 out of the group, uh, but just going off this year, my 5-8 of the year is Ezra Mam. And to me, I was I was not sold on Ezra Mam last year at all. And I was talking to Ben Iken at the start of do, last do, year. Do you think he'll do you think he should get it or do you think he'll legitimately pull enough points to win it? I think he should get it. I think Cameron Munster will probably get it. But yeah. I I to me the the 5-8 of the year is Ezra Mam and um I, was t- I had Ben Eichen on the podcast pre-season last year, and I s- there was a big conjecture at the time as to who the halves would be. Well, like who? Well, Adam Reynolds was going to be one of them, but who the five-eight would be? And uh, at the time, they had Albert Kelly, they had um, Martin there as well, so a few options that were floating around. And Ben Eichen said, "We've got this young kid Ezra Mam there, but he's still quite a quite a bit away yet. He's quite young to go from that." to what he is now is just tremendous. I've got no doubt Adam Reynolds has helped him a lot, which is fantastic. And to me, he's actually... When Ben Hunt retires, he should be the 14 for Queensland because he he can play those multiple positions. He whacks in defence. He is a phenomenal defender. And I just think the future's really bright for Ezra Mam. So I'll go with him for Coach of the Year. Do do you think that Uh, there's origin representative for him in the future? Not, not, not... Yeah, eventually, but I don't think he's close. I mean, he's got he's got DC not retiring anytime soon. Munster's there. Tom Dearden's, I think Tom Dearden's ahead of him. Um, but yeah, he, he will definitely play Origin at some stage. Um, yeah, he, he needs a couple more years. But it's interesting you say that that I can said that, and I, I love to to tell a story when I've got one. And and my Ezra Man story is um, a couple of seasons ago. So. I was coaching the Capitals 20s and COVID break come and then the year later my guy had as my assistant coach Troy Lewis he was still assistant coach for the 20s at that point and South Logan were winning the comp by a mile they were beating everyone by 60 points and Ezra Mann was the 5'8 they travelled to to Rocky the, the team had done all their prep on you know this young 5'8 and he was a star as I said, South Logan were head and shoulders better than everyone. They were clear on top of the table. The South Logan 5-8 in Q Cup got injured um, in the captain's run, and they pulled Mam out of the um, the 20s game. And at that point in time, the, the Capras, I don't think they'd won a game. Well, they, they lapped South Logan. They, they'd give it to them. They'd beat him by 20. And um, Mam jumped into Q Cup in his debut and was man of the match and scored a double. Yeah. So there was there's something there was something there that a lot of people could see in him straight away. Yeah. Oh, he's he's got star power, and I, yeah. I I love I love halves that can defend, and and he's one of them. And he, I'm just he enjoys he enjoys the contact, doesn't he? he loves it. Chase, loves yeah. it. And uh, I, I I do think Cameron Munster probably will win it. Um, and although. I know that South fell off a cliff, but Cody Walker might poll early. Um, but to me, Ezra Mam is my 5-8 of the year. And I just think in a post-Cherry Evans Munster world, the halves could be Dearden and Mam for Queensland. And I'm very okay that's, with that. Definitely. I just think Munster's probably got 
another four or five years of origin in him, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, halfback of the year, Nathan Cleary, Daly Cherry Evans, Sean Johnson. Uh, three worthy candidates, I will say yeah. that. It's actually, I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think because um, Cleary, Penrith is so good, Cleary is so good. We know that he's going to poll in every single game. He's going to he's going to poll points. Cherry Evans was clearly Manly's best player. Um, every time Manly won, he was close to man in the match. If not, you know he would have he would have polled points. And, and there was probably a couple of games where he polls points in the losing side. And um, and Sean Johnson was was unbelievable. And you know he, he's going to be hard to beat to beat for the Daly M. So based on that theory, for me, I've got to go with Sean Johnson because I think he'll win the Daly M, which means he. You know, he's, he's halfback of the year. But I think these three bikes could be in the top five for the Daly M itself. Yeah, you have to go Sean Johnson. Uh, I will say, I think this was this could be Daly Sherry Evans' best year of his career. He played that well. He was that strong. It, it, would, it, would it shock you if he wins the Daly M? Yeah, it would, just purely based off wins. I don't think that they won enough. Um, but the, but so, and they win 11 games. Yep. 11 games, um, what, he polls on average three to four points a game. I'm just throwing out numbers here. Look, I just think he, he, he'll close, poll close to 40 points. The, the, problem is, uh, the problem is every time the Warriors won, and the Warriors won a lot more games, Sean Johnson's yeah, going to be there. You, you're right, you're right. And, and, with, um, and with Manly early on, you know, um, Tommy Shabovich would have stolen a game or two um, late in the season. Cooler sealed a game or two, and Noel Blake would have stolen a couple of games off Johnson that we're not thinking of. But Cleary's got to share the load with stars, and I think Cleary polls in every single game he ever plays. But you know, there's going to be games where Fisher Harris got the points, Crichton got the points, Luai got the points. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all three. Worthy winners, though, so wouldn't complain if it went either way there. Moving on to Hooker of the Year. So we've got Wade Egan, Appy Coruscant, Harry Grant. Who you got? That's a, a, a bit of an underwhelming. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I think... Oh, I, think yeah, I, I don't know, mate. I, I really don't know. I, I've thought about this one... I'm going to go Wade Egan. I agree. I agree. And there's no one that loves Harry Grant more than I, but and Harry Grant's the best player of that lot, but just purely for the fact that you say Sean Johnson's picking up three every time, well, Wade Egan's picking up one or two. And yeah. yeah. So you've got, you've got him. There's really only, to me, there's only really four or f- possibly five guys in the Warriors that are actually capable of picking up points. So... Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, it would be Arms, um, Dallin, Egan, and yeah, and then being a winger, he wouldn't pull that many really. Exactly. Um, so Fenor Blake, Charms, Sean Johnson, Wade Egan, that's pretty much it. And uh, surely, if you're happy Coruscant and you win four games all year, you can't win. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, so to me, it's almost Wade Egan by default. Well, Grant, Grant could he could he could have pulled some more points than we think, but. Because he'd be, it, and again, he, he probably becomes the default for a few of these guys. Like if you're watching a Melbourne game and Munster's man of the match and he stands out, well, sweet. 
And then you sit back and you're not sure. I, I reckon he would have pulled a few points of, oh, I'm not real sure. Well, Grant must have played well, so I'll give him one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point too. Fair point too. So we've both got Wade Egan there with Harry Grant a slither behind. Prop of the year. This is an interesting one. This is probably one of the most competitive ones. So we've got Lindsay Collins, Payne Haas, James Fisher-Harris, Nelson asofa Solomona, Jake Travojevic, Adam Fanua-Blake. So this this is another one of those ones where it could go any direction. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think, well, I think Haas and Fisher-Harris, they're my selections. I think they they win it. But in a photo finish right behind them is, is Collins, um, Fanua-Blake, yeah, and, and Trevorovich isn't that far away with, with Nelson, but um, Collins and Fanua Blake were excellent. You wouldn't ever argue if, if they won it, but I just think Hass and Fisher Harris have been the, most, the best two props. I certainly agree with Payne Haas. Um, James Fisher Harris, <laughs> it's one of those things where in a game for your life, you'd take him, absolutely. But just for the year, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sold on that. Um, and I think that that shows with how he's played in the final series. He's been so good that you think, oh, geez, he, he was just sleepwalking for the whole year, basically. Um, I'm going to go Lindsay Collins. Uh, I've had a bit of a man crush on Lindsay Collins all year. Um, and it's just a slither after Adam Fanua Bake. But Lindsay Collins, like Andrew brought out a, a stat the other day that when Lindsay Collins has played more than 60 minutes this year for the Roosters, they've won 85% of their games. So he he being on the field has been such a tremendous influence and he really has taken the next step this year. And of anyone who's like taken the leap, I think he's been the biggest contender this year. And there was a time where for Queensland, some of the middles we were picking, particularly during that eight in a row, were just like filling gaps because the depth was so bad. But And I thought that I initially thought that Lindsay Collins was going to be one of those guys. No, nah, not at all. He, he should be right up there for Australian selection, in my opinion, at the end of the year. He's been that good. Yeah, well, that man, he was um, he was the Aussie prop last year. So, I think, um, yeah, he's he's great. His Origin series was excellent. He's been great for the Roosters. Um, he just he kept getting better and better and better. So, um, couldn't argue with that. But as you said, we both said it. You, you couldn't argue with Collins, Orphanor, Blake, um, Fisher, Harris, or Haas, N- Nelson, and Jake are a touch behind those four. But yeah. They've been good this year too. So, um, so you're going Collins and Haas. I'm going Haas and Fisher Harris. Second row of the year, another competitive one. Uh, Liam Martin, Britton Nakora, Tyson Frizzell, Halomi Olakowatu, David Fafida, Hudson Young. Uh, there's a great group of back rowers there, man. It is a very, very good, um, very, very good crew. And you know, there's a couple of guys who probably pay the price here with with their team season falling away. Uh, Fafida comes to mind. Um, early on, um, he was so good for the Titans and. They fell away at the back end, so I, I don't think I don't think he'll any and he probably fell away a little bit too. So I don't think he'll he'll get it. Um, Nakora was very good. I think Frizzell's start of the season will hurt him. He, he got better and better as the season went on. Hudson Young was very good as well. Um, you know, I think Liam Martin's my standout. He's my he's my number one. And and looking at it, it was tough to split um, Olukawatu and, and Britton Nakora, but um, I've gone with Olukawatu. I think he he's been great. So Martin and Olukawatu. It's a really competitive group. Uh, like you couldn't go wrong any way you go. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Martin and Britton Nakora. Um, yeah. 
Britton Acora to me has he's he's not another one of those guys who's just going on a whole nother level. Like I think it's I, I think he is in the conversation for the best back row in the year, and I think I think if the Sharks played a little bit more, cons- if everyone played to the level of Britton Acora, the Sharks would be a much better team. And yeah, I, I think he's good. Oh, he's he is probably the best line runner in the competition, in my opinion. Um, he and he's got that ability to change direction while the ball is in midair coming to him, which is just so hard yeah. to stop. Um, Liam Martin is awesome uh, in the conversation for the best back row of the game. Been really consistent. He is a, a fantastic player, so I've got no problem there. So uh, Martin and Nakora for me. So you're going Martin, Martin and Olakwatu. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're mine. And, and the Hudson Young, we didn't really speak about either. And, and he had a he had a great year as well. I mean, he, he earned himself an Origin jersey. So, um, it, it, a bit like the props, you know. Realistically, if any two of those guys in the prop category or the second row category got picked, you, you could sit back and think, okay, yeah, fair enough, I can cop that. Absolutely. Uh, lock of the year: Tohu Harris, Isaiah Yo, Patrick Carrigan. This has been the Isaiah Yo Award for the past few years, and before that, it was the Jason Tamalolo Award. So, uh, do you think he takes it again? This is a dead set toss of coin. Um, <laughs> all three of them. Um, I think Yo and Carrigan are ahead of Harris, so I'll, I'll rule him out. Um, I love Pat Carrigan so much. He's 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 excellent. Everything about him, his work rate, the late offload, um, the ability to, to to be in contact and still find meters. Um, you know, when just like Hash, when when someone needs to clean up a a break or a loose ball, he's always there. But I think it's going to continue to be the Azaria Award. <laughs> I am going to go with Pat Carrigan. Uh, he's been part of the the best one two three punch in the comp all year. Been instrumental in the Broncos coming back to the top four, and you only had to notice that when he missed last year, those last five, five games they lost them all, and that's that shows yeah. you how important he is to that team. So, uh, look, oh. it could go either way. Toe Harris had an outstanding yeah. year as well. Um, I, I just I just favour Pat Carrigan over that. I think it's time yeah. to move on from the Jose. I agree, mate. Yeah, I, I do. I... I agree with everything you said, but uh, I just think I think you're just just <laughs> just like there'll be a point in it. <laughs> Coach of the year. Um, this is an interesting one. It's gotten a lot of debate. Kevy, Andrew Webster, Ivan Cleary. I will say I do think that they're the top three. I don't think that there's any hard luck stories in here anywhere. Um, I suppose if you were to put in a fourth, you would probably say Adam O'Brien, but it's either uh, here or there. Or, or Craig Bellamy to take the team that he's got to the top four again. Like, you know, that's that's an impressive, an impressive record that he's got, and to do that with that that squad, who's clearly, you know, got a few missing pieces. So, I think sometimes the, the best coaches get overlooked because they just do what they always do, um, and. <laughs> It astounds me that Ivan Cleary hasn't won Coach of the Year a number of times. Well, they had the minor premiership wrapped up five weeks to go last year, and he still couldn't win it. So I don't think Ivan's ever going to win. Uh, he wins this year, mate. He's, he's coach of the he's dead dead coach of the year. Um, but if he's ever going to win it, it's it's right now. If... Andrew Webb's be be close. 
Um, obviously, Walters is, is, is going to be close as well. But I just think, how can you not give it to a bloke who's guided a team to their fourth grand final in a row, another minor premiership, the amount of turnover in their squad? And they don't look like, you know, waning at all, do they? No. And I think Andrew Webster and Kevin Walters have similar arguments. The fact that they took a team from outside the eight to the top four, right? But to me, Andrew Webster certainly took it there with a lot less. You know, the Warriors lost their best player to the Broncos in yeah. Reese Walsh. So, um, look... I'll... Yeah, no, Webster's is, is, is more impressive about where they came from, for sure. Uh, yeah, for me, Cleary one, Webster two, Kevy three. Uh, Captain of the year, yeah. Adam Reynolds, Toe Harris, Isaiah Yo. Um, mate, I've got to go with Adam Reynolds. It, the impact he has on the team is is just you know beyond words. So um, I don't think there'd be too many arguments with that. Harris and, and Yo are good leaders, but Yo shares the captaincy with um, Nathan Cleary and and Tohu Harris has got um, Sean Johnson there as well, who, who's a natural leader. I just think Reynolds he, he does does such a good job. He's got to be captain of the year. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Toe Harris has done a wonderful job as well. Um, uh, three worthy winners, but yeah, Adam Reynolds for me as well. Rookie of the year, uh, Jareem Buller, Will Warbrick, or Sonny Taruva? Um, it's it's a it's a toss up between Taruva and Warbrick. I'm going to go with Taruva, but it, but it's close. It's very very close. I mean, both of them have had outstanding years. Um, Warbrick, he, he warmed to the task as the year went on. You could tell he was a powerful human early and his improvement's been excellent. So Bellamy's obviously, you know, found a bloke who's willing to learn and is a quick learner because his growth was, was phenomenal. But do you reckon a lot of people forget that this is Taruva's first full year? He played but one game last year, two games. Yeah, yeah probably. He, he, he's good. He, Taruva has played a bit of rep football, though, so I feel like he's been exposed for a while, like he's played a lot yeah, for Fiji. Warbrick's played at the Olympics. Yeah, I know. I know. So, you know, that's that, that's that's rep footy, and that's playing at that elite level, too. Jacob Preston must have gotten suspended at some point. Uh, he's He was outstanding as well. I, th- I thought he was... That's, that's strange. But the other three, like, Bulha, at, at certain points, a rookie in his fifth and sixth game was carrying the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why he is my rookie of the year. Um, he is the most important player to the Tigers since James Tedesco, and they let him go. So They, they couldn't lose him, hey? Look, I he, think they've locked him in for three or four years. You have to. It was devastating if they, um, if they lost him because, yeah, like you said, he's their most important. Uh, so are, are you going with Buller as well for rookie of the year? No, 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 Taruva. Oh, Taruva, Taruva. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just on tackle of the year, there's three options here for Tarpany, Olakawatu, and Ezra Mam. I can't remember Ezra Mam's. I'd assume Tarpany's is on Reese Walsh. Um, but Olakawatu, it has to be Olakawatu. He ended a career. Yeah, he did. He did. Olam's never been the same. And, and, and when you say those three tackles, I can immediately picture the Olakawatu one. We're guessing if we think about the other two. We're not real sure yes. which one they're meant. Yeah, he's got to win it. Exactly. And finally, Player of the Year, we spoke about it earlier, but it's got to be Sean Johnson. Um, it, I've, I've changed my take on it. Like, I, yeah, Sean Johnson wins. He's my pick. 
I don't know if it's got to be Sean Johnson, like I was so adamant, because the more time you have to sit down and think about it, Cleary and um, and DCE and Payne Haas as well, he, he'll be thereabouts. He'll probably shock a few people. Um, but Cleary and, and DCE in particular, they're going to score so many more points than what people realise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steve, good to talk to you, mate. We'll do a grand final preview later on in the week. Thanks, Tom. This has been the 60 Go Podcast, brought to you by Mint Sports, and that is full time.